0: This is By The Way, a podcast of Covenant Christian Academy, where we discuss education, discipleship, and books. Thank you for joining us again on By the Way. I am John Hayward, the host for today, uh, the Upper School Dean at Covenant Christian Academy. And today we are joined for a conversation by Sarah Wallace. Sarah is the author of two books, For the Love of Discipline and Created to Care, and uh, also uh, has some Bible study and, and a website. And you can find her on Facebook with Gospel Centered Mom. Sarah Wallace, and we'll put some links to those things uh, in the show notes. She and her husband have five sons. And today we're especially going to talk about her most recent book called Created to Care God's Truth for Anxious Moms. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Sarah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, we are going to focus on the Created to Care book, uh, but I do want to, I've sent out some emails and, and blogs before to our community about. For the Love of Discipline books, I just want to mention that again to everyone listening, and thank you for, for writing that. With the most recent one, Created to Care, where did this book come from? Like, what, what led you to write it? Obviously, it's not your first book, but after addressing some of the issues on, on, on discipline, how did this end up being the next project you wanted to work on?
1: That's a great question. Um, essentially, this book just came straight from my own heart and my own struggles as a mom. I looked around at the other moms, you know, running this race alongside me and realized moms are struggling. We're all struggling and we're struggling together with a lot of the same things. So I really wanted to take a step back and get to the heart of that. What is it that makes motherhood, which is so wonderful, also such a challenge? And what I was noticing just in my own heart and in the moms around me is this common tension between God-given desire to protect our kids and provide for them and basically do this whole motherhood thing right, and then turning inward and looking for that strength in ourselves and then becoming Mm -hmm. anxious about it and stressed about it. And so how do we balance this wonderful desire to be the best moms we can with also enjoying this precious season and actually enjoying being moms. And I was just realizing that the pressure we put on ourselves and the pressure we allow to come in from outside really steals the joy from this season and replaces a lot of that joy with stress and anxiety. So I wanted to come at this topic from, as a mom in the trenches myself, and come at it from a gospel-centered standpoint and also a really practical standpoint I wanted to give moms tools to know how to turn to Christ and the gospel instead of turning inward, but also I wanted to give them tools they could use on a daily basis Mm -hmm. to fight the anxiety and reclaim the joy of motherhood. So it really just came from my own personal journey, and once I realized that other moms were struggling with the same things, I wanted to share it.
0: Mm, That's so great. It sounds like it's just such a nice... obviously. Writing a book um, again, your writing is, is is so accessible and full of full of great stories, and like you said, even like nice concrete details. But but it sounds like this is in some ways just a, a very long-term fruit over what the Lord talks about in in Second Corinthians, where He talks about comforting others with the comfort with which we've been comforted uh, in the midst of that. But that's yeah, and I would say it is. It sounds like the first book with for the love of discipline, which again has all the all the same great characteristics in terms of stories that are, that are relatable and nice practical tips as well as that gospel centered flow. But then this one kind of zoomed out from that first book. Um, Mm -hmm. and just has such an awesome title, like created Mm -hmm. to care as far as talking about the the role of motherhood. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but you mentioned it some, as far as like who you have in mind, you know, kind of just like other moms that are, that are in the trenches of this. Maybe, maybe specifically, as you thought about it, what, what are some of the things as you have now had the book out, you know, I think it came out last year um, or, or the year before even, but now that we're in 2021, but what, what was some of the hope of the impact you hoped it would have or the fruit that you've seen and just so grateful about the impact that you've seen it have?
1: Well, yeah, I, like I said, I'm writing from the perspective of someone who's living it right now. So I think that that kind of gives a unique flavor to the book. I'm not at the end of the race. I have five boys, like you mentioned, between the ages of four and ten. So I am every day living um, (laughs) the types of things that I'm sharing in this book. So uh, the audience that I had in mind was obviously moms who are in kind of that same stage as me. But I do a lot of reflecting in this book. So I reflect a lot back on when I very first became a mom. And I think that there's a real need there for new moms there's a need for refreshment and encouragement and perspective. It's such a short season, you know, being a new mom only lasts for a couple years that I think it's easy to forget about the new moms and to forget about just the intensity of that stage of life. So I also really wanted a resource that would meet those moms where they're at and just shoulder the burden and um, take off some of that pressure and you know, remind them of the hope and the strength we have in Christ and how that breathes new life into our daily activities with our kids. So I am hoping that it will be a resource that can span a lot of stages of motherhood. Hmm. Um, I have gotten just wonderful, encouraging feedback from moms from all stages, um, including even grandmas who are able to implement some of the, the practical tips with their grandkids, and they're passing the books on to their their daughters and daughter-in-laws. So, so I do hope that it will kind of stand the test of time in that way.
0: Yeah. And, and I'd say like um, both, both of your books are definitely targeted towards moms. You have a very nice conversational tone of writing. So I could tell when I was reading them that I was not the main conversation <laughs> partner as you just like address moms very directly. But I would say, yeah, it definitely, I would say spans, you know, great for dads to read, as well, both in some of the same struggles, where it comes to you know, how we parent, you know, worry for our kids, et cetera. Same thing with the Discipline book, especially, but also just the, the practical tips or knowing how to support our wives in some of these areas. The book definitely spans, I think, the, the, those generations and, and also even, even, even genders, so as I was really blessed as a father to read the book. I wanna I want dive a little bit into, into some of the context, and of course, we're not trying to satisfy everyone's desire to know what the book says. We hope to just make them hungry uh, so they can maybe go out and even get a copy or have good conversations and see some of your resources online. I love the phrase created to care because you're not just using the word anxiety or worry either as determinative that, of course, these things are going to rule your life as a mother, but also not as like, entirely negative of uh, these are necessarily like bad things. So, what would you say if you had to describe it? What is the good that created the care piece that's behind worry?
1: No, that is a great question. I think it's so important to remind moms that they were created with a certain set of instincts hmm. that equip them for the job of motherhood. And talking about anxiety and motherhood is really interesting because I think for me personally. Um, my initial response is to just kind of pile guilt on top of an already, you know, intense situation. And then you realize, oh no, I'm, I'm worrying about myself. I'm worrying about my kids. And you know, that's, we're not supposed to worry that's wrong. And so then we heap more guilt on ourselves and then we feel bad for feeling guilty and it becomes this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And so it is so helpful to take a step back and say, God created me with this set of instincts and this deep, deep care for my children, and that is a good thing. So then how can we use that for God's glory and for the benefit of our children? instead of letting that take us down this path of anxiety and worry. So I think uh, moms, you know, need to be encouraged that this is the way that God made you. I mean, if you think about the instincts of a mom, how a mom can distinguish her own child's cry, Hmm. you know, in a a nursery full of 20 kids, or how a mom can smell a diaper, you know, three rooms (laughs) away. I mean, it's these types of things that on a daily basis, it keeps us moms on the edge of our seats. We are ready to go at mm. any second, and that's good, but it's difficult to balance that with peace and with rest and with trusting God. And God knows that, and He's on our side, and He is available to help us you know, with that balance, and we can daily commit These desires and and just our motherhood instincts to him to use for his glory. So, Mm. I wanted this book to not just highlight, you know, anxiety, but I really wanted it to encourage moms and just let them take a breath and a sigh of relief and rest in the arms of Jesus again. Mm. Um, I just think that's what we all need on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, that we get to come to our Heavenly Father as, as little children, even as we seek to care for our children. Just, Amen. You know, how just the, how the, Lord, the Lord's connected that. But I also, you, you do a very good job. My, my wife just raves about your sleep chapter and how encouraging and refreshing it was in terms of just, again, the way that you tell those stories that demonstrate that, that you've been there, you know what it's like. But also she found it very, very convicting in terms of ways that you talk about, ways that we can be deceived into thinking about, you know, what we need or things like that. But so I just want to zoom out, though. What are some of the dangers of worry? Because, you know, like in the parable of the sower, one of the things that can choke out those shoots of, of, of growth and faith, you know, are the cares and worries of the world. What are some mm-hmm. of the dangers of worry? And I think you already kind of beautifully forecast some of the answer when you talked about in, in the initial phrase of turning inward. And I just, it was just so striking to my ear when you said turning inward To our own resources and how you were talking about how that's a danger as opposed to more of like a self-help, you can do it, you're awesome, sort of encouragement as a way to fight anxiety, or but I'm rambling on. Like what are some of the dangers of that worry with what we do with it?
1: Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's what we do with it. I think it is a reality for every mom to find herself all of a sudden just hit with either. An anxious thought, or the stress of the current situation she finds herself in—that's a reality. That's not something that we can avoid. But when you find yourself in that moment, what do you do? What do you do with that—the stress? What do you do with the anxiety? What do you do with all the hypothetical "what ifs" that you know come to mind throughout the day, or maybe late at night? You know, when you're in bed trying to nurse your baby back to sleep, what do you do in those moments? with those feelings and those thoughts. And the difference is, do we turn inward? And we say, I I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I need to get a grip. I need to get a handle on things. I'm stronger than this. I'm better than this. Or do we turn to Christ and we say, this isn't about who I am. This is about who Christ is. And as a Christian mom, I can cling to the fact that Christ is my perfect righteousness. And I can't add to that. I can't take away from that. So um, my, my good days don't add to it. My bad days don't detract from it. And I can rest in that. And I can look to him for strength. And I can also look to him for forgiveness So we shouldn't give in to those feelings of worry and let them control our our minds and our our moods. But we also need to rest in forgiveness, that there's forgiveness for weak moms and when we have our weak moments. Mm -hmm. And we need to allow that to let us move on, to pick up with the, the wonderful tasks that he has given us and to move on with confidence and the grace that he's given us. And when we receive that grace, then we can turn and give that grace to our children.
0: Hmm. I think that's so helpful because even when I asked the question, right, of like, what are the dangers of worry and how it can go awry? I love that you brought it back to that even when we do go awry or when we, when, when we engage in that complete sort of like incurving on ourselves, anxieties ruling our mind and our actions to a degree, that kind of fear, that you said that even there, the Lord's grace is what we need to hear, that there's not a oh no, now I'm anxious that I've blown it by being anxious when the Lord, and just the the fact that we we need to return again and again to like, like I think you said, casting ourselves into the the arms of of our Lord. I do want to continue to sort of like get into some of the book and you can take this however you want to, but it's a very thoughtfully crafted book. Uh, And so you split it into two parts, part one, committing your motherhood to God, which I want to come back and talk a little bit about, like I said, uh, one of the chapters there. But then part two, committing your children to God. So the, committing your motherhood to God and committing your children to God. And I just want to know maybe either how did you come up with that division or how did the two sections logically connect? Certainly the whole book flows very well along that path. But yeah, I just wanted to know if it kind of like summary overview thoughts, if, if, yeah, how, yeah. How, how do they connect? or?
1: Yeah, I think practically when we think about moms and what we worry about, the number one thing we worry about is our kids. And so there's so much we can talk about, about, you know, how we train our kids, how we shepherd them, how we help them, and all the different kid issues. But really, if you take a big step back, if there's a discouraged mom out there, which I have found myself, you know, many times, we have to start with how do how are we viewing ourselves as moms Mm. to begin with? So I really wanted to start by laying that foundation of, who we are in Christ as moms, because I think once we kind of have a handle on that and we understand that, then we're able to view our children appropriately and our motherhood responsibilities appropriately. So, like you mentioned, the, there's a chapter in there on sleep deprivation. Well, what do we do as moms when we've literally reached the end of our rope? I mean, I don't think I've ever felt so helpless as when I was at my most sleep deprived and had children to care for where do we go? How, who are we in that moment? And who, how do we see ourselves? And I mean, it's, you're kind of a shell of a person at that point. And so how are you then going to turn and try to apply all these things to, to raising your, your children? So uh, the first half of the book is just meant to be just that refreshing drink of cold water for moms that are weary and just say, here is who you are in Christ. Here's who Christ is to God. And this is where we start. This is our starting point. And it all comes back to that. So again, I wanted to keep it super, super practical. So I do talk about practical things that moms deal with in terms of their identity. So we talk about the mommy wars. We talk about, you know, uh, guilt tripping. Where does mom guilt come from? What do you do about comparing to other moms? And, and when you feel that, you know, judgment from our own mom communities. So we, I tackle all of those issues through the lens of the gospel. And it gives us a great springboard for the second half of the book, which is, okay, let, now let's talk about our kids. Now, where are some of the pitfalls of worry as we're raising our kids? And I do touch, uh, touch on discipline in there. Obviously, there's a lot more in, the, in my book for the love of discipline, but we talk about you know, what do you do when your child seems hard-hearted Um, what's the difference between sheltering our kids and actually preparing them for the world? So again, a a lot of practical things that if we take the time to think them through biblically, a lot of that anxiety will actually just vanish. Practical tools, you know, for moms to be able to apply.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think that your heart to say, we're not just going to talk about, okay, here are the typical ways that we struggle with being anxious moms, you know, that idea of, mom caring for my kids, but even like, who are we as moms before the face of God? And how that that that, that underpinning of, like you said, like wanting to just find so many different avenues, so many different themes or genres of, of issue to then rehearse, what is our identity in Christ? What does this mean? What is our identity in Christ in this area? What does this mean? Before just going into the you know, when your kid's sick, when your kid's hard-hearted, when, yeah, like in all the ways, different ways that those things can create anxiety. I think it's a helpful overview. And and also I would just say, again, with, with your discipline book, I think you do it well in that one as well, that it's not just a book on discipline and parenting. It's a book for parents on discipline. You have that ear to how they, how what you write might discourage them or how like, oh, I've blown it. Like, you know, I've, I haven't been, I've been counting to five with my kid and letting them disobey for five seconds every, you know, just, you, you have the, the discouraged parent in heart in both books. But yeah, I guess I want to take a little bit of sections from, uh, a couple chapters from both parts to dive a little bit deeper into. And one that I just, again, it's all good, but just a little bit of a, of a taste and is the, the, the one called Peace and Peer Pressure. Hmm. And you open that chapter. I think I'll just let, let your opening of the chapter open our discussion of it. You say that in a display cabinet, right, you, you have a framed sign that says, Pardon the mess, my kids are making memories. <laughs> right. uh, and then you almost sort of like go, go very deep and, uh, and meta and like deconstruct the sign. But I think it's really helpful because I, I think your introduction there, kind of making much out of this little sign is really helpful for so often the kinds of language we use to talk about parenting or motherhood. But could you walk us through a little bit of that and how it blossoms out into discussing peer pressure in general?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting and sad that a lot of the pressures that moms face come from other moms. And it it, maybe it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, other moms are even trying to do that, but Hmm. we do compare ourselves a lot to one another so we have this resource around us of other moms who are in our same stages and, you know, maybe they're our prayer partners or discipleship partners and they're in our Bible studies and they're an incredible resource, but then we can also fall into that trap of anxiety of, well, what do these other moms think of me as a mom and what do they think of my parenting? And- I think every generation of moms probably has its own buzzwords and hot topics for kind of what makes you a good mom versus yeah. uh, uh, not a good mom. And so this generation of moms faces its own set of challenges. But what I wanted to do in that chapter was to, again, bring the focus of our identity back onto Christ, because if we know who we are as Christians, then there's less pressure to live up to other standards and we're going to be less tempted to worry about what other moms are saying about us. But then a big important point of that chapter was that we need to search our own hearts and how, if in any way, are we putting pressure on other moms or how can we come alongside other moms who are in our same stage of life and encourage them and help point them to Christ? You know, that's ultimately what we're supposed to do for each other. So, Really, the point of that chapter was how to not be discouraged, but also how to be an encourager to other moms and help take off that pressure. So, for me, it was very practical to think through. And I hope it will be practical for others as well.
0: Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that in terms of uh, ways that uh, we can put pressure on other moms, or almost some like I was, I was talking with my wife, and we had a fa- another, we were talking with some other families with very young children. And both my wife and the other moms shared just how they feel judged by like their former self. So like, you know, like newly married, no kids yet going over to like a friend's house who had a couple kids and like seeing the mess or seeing how their children's were behaving and just like, you know, kind of like judging them. And then like, you know, now that they are in that situation, feeling like very judged by their former selves of... Like, ah, like this, like, I get it now, right? You, know, like you see the child melting down in the grocery store, and you're, you know, it's just easy to like assume things like, oh, I bet it's, uh, you know, indulgent. And it's just like, no, like, like we're not indulging <laughs> these little kids or all sorts of other things. Cause I, I love that in your chapter on it, you include two sections one, how to take criticism, and another, mm-hmm. how to give criticism. And it just, it's it's like you have this assumption though that we might actually need help from mm-hmm. other people in seeing our blind spots in mm-hmm. parenting. Can you talk a little bit uh, about that or how we, how we should handle it when we see our own weakness? And, it, it, and seeing our own weakness is directly from a conversation with another mom or seeing how they do it and, and feeling it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there, unfortunately, there's just kind of this underlying assumption when you get into a group of moms that it's, it's kind of like, don't tell me how to parent and I won't tell you how to parent. But really, you know, as, as Christians and as the church, it, it shouldn't be that way. But I think like what you said, what happens is your own insecurities start coming out so much that even a simple comment from another mom can just kind of derail us and make us feel inferior. Or, oh, no, you know, I, now I have to rethink everything I was doing. And, mm. and it, it all goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, how we have this God-given desire to do the best that we can. Mm. So that then for someone to even hint that, well, maybe maybe we're not. Maybe we could be doing it better. Maybe we're doing it wrong. Then we can jump on that downward spiral again. And that's so unproductive. You know, we do need to look at comments from others or, you know, what, whether they meant it kindly or not, we need to look at that confidently and say, what can I take and what can I leave? You know, and the, the church is a resource. The body is supposed to work together. So there's nothing bad about taking something that someone says and saying, how can I use this to be a better mom? But we don't have to let that define us and completely change everything we were doing. All we have to do is say, yeah, maybe that was a good point. Maybe I'll try that and be humble. But I think we can also just with all this stuff that's constantly coming at us from our culture about this is what a perfect mom looks like. We also have to be able to confidently say no, you know that I don't need to mm. change this or that, or this is what you know, I've decided, uh, you know, with my husband or from what the Bible says, you know, I'm, I'm confident in this. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying I don't have room to grow, but I'm confident in this decision. So I think it's uh, that balance between humility and confidence yeah. um, that we have to constantly strike.
0: Yeah, I think I'm so glad that you mentioned that that there are plenty of times that we do just need to be confident and say no, either because of our family situation or my personality or whatever. Like I, I you know, like what we've done is 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 good. You know, like like you said, like as a family, in light of scripture and whatever. Because I, I just find that knowing myself, it, you like you said, it can be this sort of like détente of like don't, don't criticize me, I won't criticize you or. Or just don't say anything on where Christians disagree about this because we just wouldn't want anyone to like you know feel challenged or ashamed. And I just I even find it myself like when people ask questions or bring up topics that there can be this prickliness that begins to almost like proactively arise because I feel like it's almost because we're worried that feeling like a failure in some aspect of our parenting will destroy us. So like the shame of that will almost like crush us and destroy us it's so easy to forget, again, that our identity before God is not in our did the best we can all the time parenting or in our whatever, you know, it's in Christ and that he's in control of that. So I'm glad that you mentioned, came back to that again.
1: Yeah, I think we, we do have these checklists in our mind. And at the end of the day, depending on how many things we've checked off on that list, that's what makes us feel like a good parent or not. And really, that can most of the time be more harmful than good. It's good to strive, you know, for good things and to have standards and to have goals in our parenting. But we we need to find our confidence every day in Christ. Otherwise, our confidence will be in the flesh and it's not a good place to be.
0: Yeah, it, it it can make us so fragile because we have put our place, you know, in in like turning inward and trusting in ourselves, which is more fragile than than than, than trusting in mm-hmm. Christ. Is I guess I guess to move that into a little bit of the second half of, of the book and wanting to look at your discussion of just you know things that we're worried about for our children and diving mm-hmm. into we want them to grow in the image of Christ. We want them to grow in that. You just have a section in the book that again I think is a, I, I was just going to read the somewhat stark, surprising statement and then and then you can you can try to explain it some from how you approach it in the book. But you say, I could not pray for and in context it's you know, my my children to want to be oh, you're saying I, I can't pray that my children would, you know, like grow and walk in, you know, knowing Christ, and pray that he would spare them from all earthly pain at the same time. Right, mm-hmm. I can't pray that God would uh, make them walk closely with Jesus and used by Him for His glory, and pray at the same time that all earthly pain will be removed for them. And then you say, "Why not?" And so I'll just ask you, like, you know, like, why not? Like, why can't we pray for them to not be experiencing all earthly pain and also pray that they would go closer to Christ?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, it. Really hits close to home as my kids are getting older. Uh, we were actually just talking about this the other day and about how pain, trials, loss, you know, those are all a, a part of life. I think what I wanted to do in that chapter was to take a step back and ask myself and ask other parents, what do we ultimately want for our kids? I think when we start out, we kind of have this drive for the, you know, safety, health, yes. success, you know, <laughs> well, all those yes. things, all the, the, you know, the top 10 things that, that we think would make them the happiest. But as Christians, what do we want for them? And what I want the most for my kids is that they would know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read scripture, you know what that means. You know that that Mm -hmm. is the narrow road that leads to life. And that is the, the difficult journey and the difficult path. So it's a different perspective. It's a different way of seeing what we want for our children. And I think it opens up our hearts and our minds to how God can use difficulty for our kids' good and to actually make them more like Christ. And for me, that helped kind of loosen my tight grip on their their safety and their health and their happiness. It helped me loosen my grip because I had to accept the fact that as Christians, God refines us. He sanctifies us. This world is not our home. We're going to be confronted with all kinds of trials and tribulations, but I know how it all ends. And for my children to know and love the Lord that ends in the way of life. So it helps me relinquish some anxiety in my own heart. And it also helps me hold my kids a little more loosely because as I hold them up to the Lord, I'm saying, do with them what you think is best because I want them to be your children. I want them to follow you. I want them to know their savior. And whatever that involves, if it is all to that end, I'm okay with that. And Lord, make me okay with that. Help me. But yeah, it's a a whole new way of looking at our children, completely different from the way the world would view their children. But I think it helps on a very practical level with anxiety. So I really wanted to encourage moms to think about it through that lens, and it helps us rest more in God's loving care.
0: Yeah, and and that's so hard for us in our own walks with the Lord, right? And, And just how just as we want to say what we pray for for ourselves, right? And, and obviously, Scripture talks much about counting it joy when we face trials because of how that reveals God's work in our lives. And and yet, you know, it does, as parents, it feels almost even extra difficult to see that way for our, for our children. You know, it, it can be harder to see those that we love suffer and go through things. But when you were saying that, for some reason, my mind just jumped immediately to Wow, like what was it like for Johnny Erickson Tata's parents? Right. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the Lord has used her and her suffering, you know, the author and, and, and speaker who, who's been a quadriplegic for since the age of 17. And like the Lord is just obviously shining so powerfully through her life, but you know, just like if you think of that from the parent perspective, that's a hard road. But obviously, mm-hmm. I imagine you know, for, for that, if they were in, in, in the Lord, like also glorious to see Christ shine in their life, and
1: mm-hmm. yeah, well, and and very practically, even just 2020. I mean, the year that we just lived through, and 2021 is not looking that much better. I mean, <laughs> when you think about what our children. The, the type of world our children have been living in the last year and how different that is from, you know, when I was eight years old. Yeah. And if, from the world's perspective, I mean, what a waste. It seems like such a wasted mm. year. All the all the trials and the troubles and, you know, our, our kids see it. They, they see the news. They experience the loss of, you know, getting to be with their friends and all their normal activities. And from the world's perspective, I mean, what a, what a waste. But from a Christian's perspective, we can say, no, God— Planned this for my kids at this moment in time, and he's using it. And we can rest in that. And it is not what I would have picked for my kids, but God picked it for my kids. So I can rest in that. So (laughs) when I see my kids go through trials, instead of my default being to freak out, my default can be to trust the Lord and say, Mm -hmm. You know, you chose this for them, and you've got a reason, and I can trust him with that.
0: Yeah, that, that just, you, you saying that just made me kind of delight in the diversity of Scripture. That Scripture has so many things, and we would perhaps really want the verse that our children need to apply is like the Proverbs about dealing with wealth and success. And we're like, oh, like we really hope that our kids need to hear that verse, that they're just, oh, you're wealthy, but look to the Bible about how to. Oh, no, you're so successful, but look to the Bible. But actually, this, yeah, it's interesting, like 2020 gave us a chance to say, okay, kids, Let's look at Jesus saying, blessed are those who mourn. Mm. And just how that might not be our instinct as parents to say, let's really dive into that with our children is saying, blessed are those who mourn. But just that, thankfully, our Heavenly Father guides us as we guide our children to say, well, here's life and, you know, Mm -hmm. the Lord will, will guide us in that way that's a very helpful reframing of what the Lord has done in in some people's lives, all the disappointments, all the frustrations, but yet how God is, God is giving us opportunities to, in a sense, just train our children and being disenchanted with this world to a degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we want to train young people to look like Jesus, not to have some sort of mythical, pristine, happy childhood. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You want them to long for heaven, (laughs) you know, and, and have their hope rightly placed. And sometimes that's exactly what trials do. And so in that sense, I don't want to protect my kids from a better lesson that the trial could be teaching them. Hmm. And that's hard. That's hard as a mom, but it's also encouraging to our hearts.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a natural transition to the last section I wanted to talk about, which was when you talked about it very briefly in your introduction when we we talked about it, but that, that idea of sheltering versus you talk about a greenhouse effect versus like equipping. Again, because they just how seeing our children and how they react to 2020 or other trials or disappointments and how, you know, even though we might not want to shelter them from that, but just how do we equip them to engage the world? and our fears or concerns about that. Could you talk a little bit about that piece? I, I looked at a specific section from the book where you just talk about sheltering can be great, but what, is, what are we doing with a season of, of caring for plants? Or, the, or if you want just get into the greenhouse effect is the way you describe it.
1: Yeah, I think this is such a, a tricky balance, it's such a fine line to walk as parents where we want to protect our kids but we also are called to equip them and they will be out in the world one day. We can't protect them from the world forever in that sense. Um, And so how do we use this time that they're under our care to prepare them for the world? I think from a biblical standpoint, it's so helpful to remember that all the evils that we think of that they could face, they are not all out there. You know, the Bible says that sin comes from the heart. And so when we are shepherding shepherding our kids, that's where we need to start. So our goal as parents is not to shut out the world as much as we possibly can, and then, then we'll have peace, but it is to shepherd them from the inside out. They are going to be facing temptation and sin and struggles within their own heart before they ever get out into the world. So the whole point of being entrusted with these children is that one day we would send them out into the world, Lord willing, as godly men and women to be kingdom builders. So the idea of the greenhouse is that um, you are taking something fragile and vulnerable and you are protecting it for the purpose of helping it grow. Mm. And then one day you will transplant it as a healthy and strong plant. But if you were to keep it vulnerable and keep it weak and protected, then it would not thrive and survive. So that's going to look very differently from family to family. But I think the common goal that we can all land on is that we want to shepherd our kids to prepare them, not to keep them isolated forever. And again, just thinking about the last year that we went through, I've talked to a lot of moms about that. And we, if we could choose, you know, a a time on the timeline of human history, when we would be raising our children, probably wouldn't be 2020. I mean, every year has its own trials, but we all as parents wish we could create this certain type of world for our kids, but we don't get to choose that. God has created the world that they're going to go out into, you know, with all the good and the bad, he's in control of that. And so how can we equip them to be successful in this world at this particular spot on the timeline, you know, and do a service for our children in that way.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think that in a sense circles us back even to where you begin the book, like you said, like committing your motherhood to God. So often we can't live up to the ideals that we had about what kind of family culture or family life we want to give our kids sometimes. And like, you know, is a good parent a parent that can keep these sorts of things from happening to their children? Or is it just the way we have that like self-identity that we can grow so anxious about? Amen. Yeah, well, and I, I'd say that, that that runs through some of the, the high points. Certainly, we could, we could talk for, well, a whole book slang mm-hmm. worth of things and dive into it. And I love the, the feature that you have of you uh, have quotes from some other moms, The section of what other moms are saying. And it's just nice that you intentionally, like you said, your, your heart in this to, I love how you said it, shoulder some of the burden when moms mm-hmm. feel isolated or frustrated or discouraged. But just how you show that there really is quite a diversity of how we respond to these trials but yet how, how a theme of rooting identity in Christ runs through it out. Yeah, like th- thank you yeah, so much for the time.
1: Oh, yes, thank you. I I do hope that this will help moms and parents everywhere to just not feel so alone, to know that we are all struggling with the same things, thinking through the same issues. Like you said, each chapter ends with a section called what other moms are saying so that you can kind of get a more rounded perspective from moms across the country. And then each chapter also ends with reflection questions so that you could use it almost as a personal devotional, but it's easy yeah. to use in a group. It's great in a group setting to be able to hear from other moms and just get that encouragement.
0: Yeah, well, and, uh, and I, 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 I think I, I mentioned it, but Thank you so much for how you write. It's made my wife uh, very encouraged and convicted, but also laugh a lot. And so that's 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 a perfect. And yeah, my 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 wife is considering leading, you know, like working through the book with a group, and it, she just mm-hmm. thinks it's very ideal for that. So I encourage any any listeners to who would think about that way to do that. Uh, well, thanks again for for being so generous with your time with us and 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 sharing. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, one thing I also want to say about the book is I didn't mention. But in the section on salvation and preparing our kids for the world, you just end also one of it with this great 10 days of prayer for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I know I was, I was just wrapping it up and now here I go back. But like, how does prayer, maybe to close on, on this, like, how does prayer position us to realize we're created to care, but not powerful enough to accomplish everything that we want?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. That, that is a great question. Uh, prayer is essential. Prayer very practically pulls us back to our roots, reminds us where our strength really comes from, keeps us committing our children and our motherhood back to the Lord so that we don't fall into that pitfall of looking to our own strength and just refreshes us. I do talk about how even in our prayers, we have to be careful not to be tempted towards worry because I have a tendency myself when I start praying for my kids I start down a list of all the things that I want God to protect them from. So even that in and of itself can be a temptation. So Mm. I wanted to give parents a tool that they could use in that 10 days of praying for your kids so that they had some specific things to look at and use. It helps us to keep our minds focused and our goals focused during that prayer time.
0: Well, yeah, I think I uh, can't really uh, close on a better note than talking about the foundation of prayer. So thank you again so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us today for By the Way. We pray that your faith was encouraged, your mind equipped, and your heart engaged, all exalting our great covenant-keeping God for whom we raise our children. Until next time, be well and enjoy God.